Wow, it is good to see you here. It is not snowing today. And this is, yes, that's right. That deserves some good rounds of applause there. I, I had nothing to do with that. If I did, I promise you, if I had that kind of power, I would leverage it. But I don't. It is the first Sunday of 2019. Is anyone else having a hard time believing that we're in 2019. I'm looking at you, parents of teenagers. We made it. We made it one more year. Lord willing, they're all still with us and still living in our homes. I, uh, I always, always look forward to this Sunday because we typically take the first Sunday of the new year and reserve it for a state of the church address. So I expect protesters to be picketing outside a little bit later, there'll be news coverage here. Half of you will stand and applaud. The other half will scowl. I'll tell you when. The right side of the aisle, you will probably have a little more to be excited about today. Uh, I always, always look forward to this Sunday. Because not only, not only are we going to look back and celebrate what God is doing in our midst, but we're also going to be able to look forward with hope, with anticipation, with the sense of, of faithfulness that God is going to continue to do work here and there's great value in this. I, I was just scanning through the Psalms earlier today, and Psalm 96 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth, and sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. And then he says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Tell the people about the works that God is doing. In Psalm 100 talks about how the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. So we're going to make a joyful noise to him and we're going to serve him with gladness. And we'll come into his presence with thanksgiving, knowing that he is God and it's he who made us. We're his. Psalm 89 says that we will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever and with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. So we're going to take some time today and do that. We're going to recount the works of the Lord. We're going to celebrate. We're going to focus our attention on the good work that he has done in our midst over this last year. And there's great value in pausing and looking back. And I am not somebody who slows down easy. And, and the Lord has been working on me uh, with this for like my entire life. And Pastor Duke has been a great help to me in this, to slow me down from time to time, to just recount what God is doing, taking inventory and celebrating. And there's great value in this because when we recount the provision of God over the past year, it gives us a sense of gratitude. Because we start to realize that these things that we're celebrating, we couldn't do. That, that they might include us, by God's grace, they include us, but they're not us. The things that he does in and through us, they're all him, they're all by him, they're all through him, and they're all for him. And it gives us a sense of gratitude that he would use us, that he would include us in his dream for the world. It also gives us a sense of wonder that, oh my word, I can't believe that actually happened. Because some of the things that we recount over the last 365 days are miraculous nothing short of God-sized activity. And we look at that and go, I never would have imagined that that could have occurred. And we get a sense of the majesty of God, don't we? That he could and would orchestrate all the events of our lives just the way he did to reveal himself through the trials and through the pain, through the joy and the celebration. And it gives us a sense of confidence and hope because the God we serve is able and his pattern shows us what we can expect of him. 
that he's trustworthy, that he's good, and then we begin to believe that he can do it all over again. The same God who showed up last year, the same God who did these things we're going to celebrate, is the same God who is able to continue that work in the coming year. And that just affirms our faith. And each year, if you've been around here for a little while, each year on the first Sunday I stand up in, in a service just like this, and we do the same thing over and over again. We remember what God did, and we kind of step out in faith for what God will do. And then miraculously through the year, he gives us the desires of our heart, he changes our plans, our direction, and then we follow up the following year and we celebrate again. So what we're going to do is look back and then we'll look forward. And it will be different today in that we won't have a passage to expound. And that the expositor in me really, I, I struggle with that, I'm not going to lie, I'm having a hard time with that today. But... As I was journaling this morning, the entire message is an illustration of God's faithfulness over the last year. So let's just warm and encourage our hearts with the things that God is doing right here in our midst. As we look back, here are, here are some things that I see. And thankfully, uh, Ken Hainer, our, our former treasurer, he's, our, he's now currently the vice president. So I want you to know he's first in line of succession. So he's the designated survivor. And uh, you are in good hands, according to our document. But Ken said, as he was coming off as treasurer, that the treasurer gets this, this dual burden and blessing. Like He gets to feel the weight of the financial strain of the church, but he also gets to see have a front row seat at God's provision. And I feel the same way in this, in this role, a very public role of ministry. Uh, there is a burden that's attached to it, a sense of responsibility, but there's also this amazing blessing that that I get to, see, I have this perch where I'm watching the faithfulness of God in your lives in sometimes in ways that not everyone is aware of. And I want to highlight just a few of those things today because what we're seeing here is nothing short of beautiful. As we look back, we're seeing growth in our people. I'm not just talking about numeric growth, although that's here too. We're seeing a growth in people's faith a development of Christ-like character in them, where Christ is, as the, as the Bible tells us, being formed in us. And we're seeing people take steps of faith, following the Lord in believers' baptism, making a decision to partner with us and join us as official members here in this body. We're watching new leaders emerge as God is giving passions and gifts and then affirming those passions and gifts through the congregation being, I'm blessed as I'm watching people find and use gifts serving here in the body. People who are showing up, maybe within the last 16 months or so, finding a place on a ministry team, giving of their time and their talents and their energy to serve here. This, this year, people, we, we watched as, I think we had, what, 10 graduates from the Faith Bible Institute who completed a three-year course so they could study the Bible to be better equipped to serve God through the ministries of our church and beyond. People who gave that kind of, of commitment and investment to their own growth. But here's the best way I know how to say it. The people in our church family, you guys, us, we, we are growing to be more like Jesus because our lives are intertwined with one another. One of the coolest things that we're seeing is that each of us are being shaped and formed 
conformed more and more into the image of Jesus as a result of knowing each other, of being part of each other's lives, of sharing in the trials and the burdens, of rejoicing and celebrating, of serving together, of worshiping together, as a, as a result of gathering in living rooms and reading the Bible together and sending text messages and praying for one another, we are being pressed into the image of Jesus as a result of knowing one another. That's the kind of church growth that Jesus wants that's, that's a compelling community to be part of. That's an attractive thing in the eyes of this world. Because we're encouraging each other. We're spurring each other on. We are each other's cheerleaders. So we encourage and we challenge and sometimes we rebuke and we support and we carry one another on into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is beautiful. Beautiful. One of the things that we're watching over this last year is just the explosion of our jail ministry. You know, I don't know if you know this, you should know this by now, but I'll keep talking about it. Weekly, our church is leading chapel services in the Saratoga County Jail, sometimes three of them on a Sunday night normally. Three rounds, two rounds of guys, one round of women, where we're opening the Bible and sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with people who need it. Weekly, we have a team traveling into these jails, not only in Saratoga, but other jails as well, to have one-on-one -on -one meetings and counseling sessions with men and women who are there. I wish you could hear the stories of those one-on-one -on -one counselors, those guys who, and gals who are going in and sitting down and hearing the stories of pain and heartache and then hearing the story of redemption and hope that the gospel is bringing. Those, those who are ministering in the jail are now also involved in the Rensselaer County Jail. Uh, Sam and Mike are currently running a Bible boot camp on Saturdays. How many you got, Sam, how many you have in that gr group right now? Twelve. Twelve guys. Reading through the Bible at a pretty intense clip, studying some deep stuff, growing in their faith. There's a growing team of volunteers who are serving in that ministry. People who you might not know, but God is using, using their story, using their hope, using their faithfulness to bring hope to those who need it most. And if you could hear their testimonies about how, about how God is moving in their hearts. Gail Telesco, are you here this morning? Do I see you here? Gail stopped by my office a couple weeks ago. You're going to hear her story at some point in the near future. We're going to make her. I'm sorry, Gail. But if you could hear her story, I just threw, threw her under the bus. But if you could hear her story about how God used her life in ways that just blew her mind, about how he used 20-some years of teaching Sunday school stories to equip her to share the stories of God in a, in a palatable way with people who need to hear it, you'd be blown away. And to think that that ministry, guys... That wasn't like we got together and our elder team came up with a really cool, slick plan. That was an opportunity that kind of fell into our laps and we talked about it and said, yeah, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And Dave, you'll remember in the early days, it was tough. And we wondered if it would keep going, but then God gathered the right people and provided his spirit and breathed on it. And now we're watching God do great things. Our commitment to families is paying the dividends that we had only dreamed about a few years ago. Jessica Smith and her team provide exceptional care for our tiniest attenders each week. 
Many of you are serving in the nursery and you know what I'm talking about and we thank you for that. Those of us who are a little bit more ADD than others, who are a little easily distracted than others, we appreciate the fact that you are serving our babies every week. Thank you for that. You know, for some of our moms, it's the only hour and a half they get all week where they're not being clung to and pulled on and gets them, gets them an opportunity to feel like a real adult for a little bit. Thank you for that. Heather Fitzsimmons and her team of volunteers carry a heavy load each week as our children are being taught the truths of God's word. Today, Michelle Hickok is teaching next door with a team of people. She's teaching the story of Moses. She's got a little basket. They're going to learn about how, God, how, how Moses was placed in the bulrushes and God protected and preserved and worked his purposes through Moses' life. Our kids week to week, are being taught the truth of God's word as a foundation is being laid in their hearts, as seeds of grace are being sown in their minds, and in God's timing, we have seen him bear the fruit. We do our part. We sow, we water, we plant, we sometimes we trim, but God brings the fruit. And we're seeing the lights come on in our children's eyes as they make professions of faith, as they put all the pieces together, as they realize That this God we're talking about and this plan of salvation means something for me. Not just the church in general, but my sin was paid for by Jesus himself. Our kids are growing in their faith. They're soaking it all up. I don't know if you've you've talked to them. If you're privileged to have children in that ministry, it's a great gift. Especially when Chad's teaching, you ask them on the way home, hey, what'd you learn today? And just check and see what happens. It's amazing. Noah's favorite teacher is not Chad, though, because Chad doesn't let him play dodgeball. And if you would let him play dodgeball like Mrs. Reynolds, you could be his favorite teacher, too. Our kids are growing in their understanding of the scriptures, and that means they're growing in their understanding of who God is. And has there ever been a generation that needed more than our children to know the character and nature of God in this place? Every week... An army of people is volunteering and surrendering and submitting their gifts to strengthen those people. Our kids love being here. They love being a part of our church. They're learning what it means for them to be active participants. They're not just being catered to, entertained, and served, but they're learning what it is to be part of the church community. And God is going to take that and raise up a new generation of church leaders right out of our midst. Our student ministry is growing and expanding. We have, true story, this is authentic and verified. We have the greatest team of youth leaders ever assembled in the history of the world. I checked it. And we are watching as those leaders under Pastor Tyler's direction are making huge investments in the lives of our teenagers. And what that means then is our children, our teenagers, have a safe place to to explore faith They have a safe place to ask the deep questions about who God is and what he's doing in their lives. They have a safe place to try to make sense of the world around them. And they have good, godly leaders in their lives to guide them. And that means that those kids, those teenagers, are finding ministry opportunities to serve right here in our church. We're seeing them take a stand and share their faith, lead leading Bible studies on their public high school campuses. 
We're seeing them follow God's promptings and reaching with tremendous faith to accomplish what the Lord has called them to do like in our blanket blessings program we used just a couple weeks ago. Our students get a taste for world missions that God could use them here in the Capital District and around the world. Our students are learning that being part of the church means that we are involved in each other's lives for support and growth in the Lord. We are seeing great attendance at our midweek services for sure and our events. Student leaders are being developed as more and more of the ministry is handed over to them. As they're being equipped to do the work of the ministry and then the adults step back and let them lead. Teenagers are placing their faith in Christ and they're growing in their understanding of who God is and what it is that he's doing in their lives. And these are reasons to celebrate. Our worship ministry, this past year we we made a couple changes early, early in January of last year and we formed a new lead team where Matt and Dave and me worked together. And guys, I am so proud of the way these two guys have been working together. Their lives are crazy busy with children and careers and job changes and just young, being young dads and trying to figure all that out, serving other places, it is a huge, huge investment that they are making every week to lead us in worship. And we are so thankful for them. And thankful for the way they work together because they're, I'm not gonna lie, Matt, you're like a, like a married couple because you have polar opposites, but you get along so well. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch and to see And our church is blessed by it and encouraged by it. And it gives us great hope. And what that means then is that it's provided a place of stability up here so that new members can join our team and use their gifts and bless the congregation to honor the Lord. And like you said today, Matt, we are giving the congregation a soundtrack for their lives, songs to sing. I was reminded of that old old hymn this morning as I was thinking and praying for a friend. That through trial and difficulty, God leads us. Some through the sorrow, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song. In the night season and all the day long, right? We're giving songs for people to sing through the trial and through the pain, through the difficulty. And I, gotta, I, gotta tell you, I have to tell you, there is something that's really beautiful about hearing a song on the radio and having your children shout out, this is the one that Mr. Turgeon plays, and then belting out, uh, stand in your love at the top of their lungs. Something powerful about that. Our worship ministry is growing, and I couldn't be more proud of those guys. Our life groups, you know, for a long time, I couldn't mention life groups as a selling point, but... Life groups. Now, we are not perfect here, let's be honest. We have, not, we have not worked out all the kinks, and I'm sure that Mandy is cringing about what I'm going to tell you guys today because it's probably going to mean a lot of work for her. But our, our life groups are not perfect here. We're not quite where we want to be, but my goodness, we are excited about what is happening there. Because we're watching, we're watching the Lord provide what was only a dream a few years ago. And it is so encouraging to hear the stories about what is happening in these groups. Stories of support for one another through great marital struggles. Stories of support through miscarriage. Stories of support through mental health struggles. Support with moves and new babies and new jobs and new ministries. Stories of needs being met through the kindness and ministry of our members one to another. 
One husband who was working through a difficult marital issue told me that he didn't know what he would have done or where he would be if it weren't for the people in his life group. Did you catch that? He didn't say, Matt, I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for your awesome sermons. (laughs) Or I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for our amazing kids' ministry. He said, I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for the people in our life group who supported me and loved me and just treated me like a normal person and encouraged me. Another guy told me recently that he'd been a part of our church for 10 years, but he hadn't experienced a relationship like this until now. There's something beautiful and powerful, mysterious and supernatural that happens when groups of believers gather together for the breaking of bread, for the fellowship, for the apostles' doctrine and prayer. Something mystical happens. Something godly happens in their hearts. And it's been happening for 2,000 years. It's how Christ built his church. And we're watching him do it in the living rooms and kitchens and dining rooms around our, our region. And while we certainly want to do better at launching new groups and encouraging our leaders, what we are seeing is so encouraging today. Our missions program is alive and well Even through some lean years financially, you guys have given so faithfully two missions. Our students took a trip to England that was almost fully funded by our congregation. Ariana Altabelli is doing a year in in England as a, a gap year program, and you guys provided within two weeks a fully funded year of short term missions work. Our Blanket Blessings project that we just tried in the fall, you came through with flying colors. In addition to all that, you faithfully supported our missions partners through the years too. Church planters and pastors and uh, Christian schoolmasters around the world training people in the gospel, reaching people with the hope of Jesus, discipling new pastors and sending them into the field, planting new churches. Remember our Dresses for Missions campaigns? Mrs. Wallace came a number of years ago with this idea. And I don't, I don't sew or knit dresses or crochet dresses. I don't know how you do that. I don't know what you do with those things. I don't make dresses. And so I didn't know what it would take. And I wasn't sure how it would all go. But she was really excited about it. And I learned a long time ago, you don't mess with Mrs. Wallace. <laughs> because she has a direct line to God. And so if she, says, if she says this is something that's important, you say, yes, ma'am. How can I help you? And we did. We did. And she gave me a quick update. So last year, we had our 12th workshop in October, 12th workshop. Over 30 people attended that workshop. We made 38 dresses and four little baby dresses and a couple boys' shorts. Some were made at home, and they brought them uh, to the workshop together. So we, we, in that workshop, there were 86 items of clothing um, that were uh, produced. Total dresses over the six-year span, though, this is really fun because she keeps meticulous records. 3,334 dresses, 480 boys' shorts, 41 blankets, and 583 baby dresses for a grand total of 4,438 articles of clothing that were created. And then they were sent off to 14 countries, to Sudan, to the Dominican Republic, to Haiti, to Sierra Leone, to Ecuador, Guatemala, Ghana, the Philippines, South Africa, Costa Rica, India, Honduras, Trinidad, and Tobago, or Tobago, whatever. However, you say Tobago, I say Tobago. Let's call the whole thing off. 14 countries. 
14 countries because, because somebody in our congregation had an idea about how their gifts could reach the ends of the earth. And God, God breathed on it, applied his spirit to it, and is ministering to them. Yeah, our missions program's alive and well, and we're still continuing to support missionaries around the world. We've got new church planters we'd love to support things going on all over the place. Our outreach ministry is so much fun. Amy Hughes is continuing to help us find better ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here in our community. Whether that was the Angel Tree program uh, for children whose parents are incarcerated or the Giving Thanks service to benefit Captain right here in Clifton Park or Christmas gifts for the victims of domestic violence that our ladies put together and so, so, so much more. We are learning what it means to be the light of the world, to stand with those who have no voice, to minister to the poor, the fatherless, and the widow with the hope of Jesus and also a cup of cold water. We're learning how to do both. And God is blessing that ministry, and we're so thankful for Jeff and Amy and the way that, uh, that he's using them to lead us in that way couple other miscellaneous things we celebrate. I don't know if you knew this or not. We celebrated Pastor Duke's 40th year of ministry this past summer, and what a blessing that was. And it continues to be for our church. Pastor Duke is enjoying probably the busiest season of preaching he's ever had in all of his ministry. Uh, he is preaching to more people in more places an awful lot, uh, on the road a lot, but God is using him in great ways in so many congregations around the country so thank you for being a support to him in that, and we're thrilled with what he's doing there. Our elder team continues to be a great source of strength and encouragement to me personally, and hopefully to you as our congregation. Working alongside these men over this last year has been a, uh, an amazing joy for me. Um, and my ministry time here, serving on that team, has been uh, what an incredible gift. And these guys are growing, and I, it's fun for me to watch them uh, and their heart for you and their heart for the Lord grow and develop. It's, it's a pretty fun thing. Our staff is amazing. I know I'm a little bit biased because I assembled the team, but they're really cool. And I love them dearly. And their commitment to the Lord is inspiring. Their commitment to you is inspiring. They love you and they work hard for you. And they are gracious and capable. And they deal with way more than they deserve. And they make it a lot of fun to be part of this team and God is also, one thing that I saw this year that I was really encouraged by is developing a richer ministry of prayer within our congregation. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe that's the reason the other things are happening. I wonder if maybe that's why we're able to look back with such joy and excitement over the last year because our congregation is growing to have the heart of God. We're seeing new faces, somewhere between 70 and 100 of you over the last year have been added to our fellowship, even as we've said hard goodbyes to those that we love. We can sense a feeling of joy and of life here, a momentum that is encouraging to us. And it gives us great hope for the future because God's not finished here yet. He's got wonderful plans for our church family right here in the Capital District. He's got plans to conform us into the image of Jesus. He's got, he's got plans to use us to reach our communities, our teams, our offices, our families with the gospel. He's got plans to send us out as the hands and feet of Jesus right here in our community and around the world. And it's an exciting time to be part of this fellowship. And so what's next? I am so glad you asked that. 
Normally, in the past, this is the part of the show where I find ways to freak everyone out and make you uncomfortable by telling you all the fun things I want to change. Because, as our staff knows, I get bored really easy, and I walk around looking for things to break and fix and change. But you'll be happy to know that I did not get my way, that there is nothing big or significant that we have to break or change this year, and I'll just have to hold off and wait until next year, right? Um, there is nothing major to change. And I, I, all joking aside, there is a sense of joy that stability brings. That as we look down the, the, the pike at the next coming year, that there's nothing major yet on our radar that's going to require us to significantly alter the congregation or the church or philosophies and ministries. And while that might be a little boring for me, it's good for the church. So what does that look like then in the next year? Well, steady on. It's pretty basic but maybe you need to hear it again and be reminded. We want to be faithful to the Great Commission. God has called us as a church to make disciples, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to baptize people in the name of Jesus, and then to teach them what Jesus has taught us. We want people to know and follow Jesus. We say it as simply as that. And in order to accomplish that, we've identified three priorities. We call them ministry anchors that we use. And and that doesn't mean that's all we do. And you'll notice as I read through this list, you're going to notice it's not all that we do. I've celebrated things that aren't on that list. But what we believe is these three things provide the baseline for us. They are the steady diet for us. And they give us the best chance at engaging with people's hearts, communicating the gospel, and then seeing Christ formed in them. So the first thing that we're gonna see, you're going to see coming in the next year is that we will continue to have weekend worship services that we would like to describe as dynamic. We want them to be moving And what we mean by that is a number of things. We mean then that expository preaching will be the hallmark of those services. And some of you might say, that sounds boring. It doesn't have to be. All that simply means is that we open up the Bible and we expose the truth of the Bible. That we let the main passage of the text be the main passage of our sermon. And we do everything we can with passion and conviction to communicate to you what God is saying through the scriptures. That's all that means. And with God's help, we will be able to do that. On a side note, I'm so very thankful to be here today in this season. One thing that this church has always enjoyed is a very deep bench, we call it. There, there have always been a lot of capable pastors and elders and laymen in the congregation who can stand in this pulpit and preach at a moment's notice, and we are there again today. And it is such a joy to know that as, as my family was vacationing last week, <laughs> as my family was visiting family last week, there's, there was no vacation there, I promise you. We were just yelling at our kids at somebody else's house. But when, uh, oh, like you don't, please. Um, as we were gone last week, it, it is such a joy to know that our congregation is well served, whether it's me here or Pastor Duke here or Chad here or Tyler, whoever it is that can stand here and, and deliver and preach, then we're, we're well cared for in that. Next week, by the way, we begin a sermon series on Daniel. That should be a lot of fun. It's a little bit terrifying. Those of you who have it all figured out, I don't want to hear from you. I'm going to, I know you know, I know you know all the answers. Just shh, be quiet. We're going to start with Daniel chapter 1 next week. If you want to read ahead, that's fine. So expository preaching. We also want to dig deep on theologically rich and gospel-centered worship music. We want our hearts to be encouraged together in the truth of the gospel. We want to give songs for you to sing that will strengthen your faith throughout the week. We want to practice biblical hospitality. 
We want people to walk through our doors and feel God's love for them through our love for them. And that doesn't mean that they feel God's love through, for them because somebody who's wearing a t-shirt says hi to them. Can, can we be wrong, can we call a time out here? This is, this is just for the regulars. Everybody expects the guy up front and the people wearing the uniforms to be nice to them. What they don't expect is you to be nice to them. And when we show God's love for our neighbors, our guests, and our visitors, even though we don't have an official position, that's what's going to communicate to people that this is a welcoming place. All right, that, that's free for you. We want to practice biblical hospitality. We want to have dynamic weekend worship services. Secondly, we want life groups to con continue to stand as a centerpiece of our efforts to disciple one another. I don't know if you've ever heard me explain it this way. I, I say it this way all the time in our discovery classes. Here's why we use life groups. So that people can be connected in relationship, committed to each other's growth, and caring for each other's needs. Some of you might say, well, couldn't you do that in a Sunday school class? Uh, yeah, maybe, but not, not in the same depth. Not when I'm sitting at the, at the back of the room, staring at the back of somebody's head, listening to one guy talk for 45 minutes. It doesn't always work the same way. But in homes, in living rooms, with a cup of coffee in your hand, and children running everywhere, right, Matt? Right? Children everywhere, right? You can open the Bible and ask deep questions. You can talk back and forth about what this means. You can stop everything. Because somebody has a need and all of you can hit your knees and pray and weep together for somebody. So they are connected in relationship, committed to each other's growth and caring for each other's needs. I got it. I'm not gonna lie. Jack Saramuga and Susan Lee are my two favorite uh, life group uh, enthusiasts. They are life group evangelists. It, and it came from a quite unlikely place because they already had pretty good connections here. But when you talk to them about their life group experience, Eli, what they're talking about is the way they care for each other, pray for each other, and the way... Susan, can I tell this story? I'm going to. So, <laughs> Susan went in for surgery and she prayed that morning that God would send somebody to hold her hand, very precise, send somebody to hold her hand and somebody to make her dinner. And somebody at the, uh, the anesthesiologist at the hospital held her hand as she was going in for surgery, and one of her life group members called her up when she got home and said, hey, I have some dinner I'd like to bring over for you. God is answering precise prayers, caring for needs, and strengthening relationships right there through those groups. For us, this is a matter of how to remain faithful to the one another's of the Bible. How can we know one another and forgive one another, disciple and encourage one another, grieve with one another, and so much more if we don't know each other? So we use our life groups for that. We need to launch new groups. This is the part where you get nervous. I know, I'm sorry. We need to launch some new groups. We need some new leaders. We need some people who are willing to step out and say, hey, I can, I can facilitate that. And you might, you might say, hey, look, I don't even know how. Well, I can, come talk to us. We'll, we'll tell you how we do it. We'll, we'll tell you options for how this can go. But it's really simple. If you have a pulse, no, I'm just kidding. If you love people, and if you, can, if you can open the Bible and ask questions about how, how this passage might apply, if you can get the ball rolling in discussion, if you can follow up and connect with people and just encourage them, if, you can do this. If you can be a Christian friend, you can be a life group leader. I mean, that's, that's about as simple as it gets. Maybe, maybe that's your step this next year. Maybe that's your resolution 
Maybe God will be calling you to start a group, to launch a group where you are. We need to launch new groups. We don't want people falling through the cracks. We want every one of you to experience what Susan experiences, what I've experienced, what so many of you have experienced through those groups. Some of you haven't been able to join a group, but this will be your year. We'd love to see how this is going to go. So there's our second anchor. First one is these weekend worship services. Christian's been meeting on Sunday for a long time. We're probably going to keep doing that. All right, so there you go. Secondly, we want life groups to stand as the centerpiece of that discipleship model. And thirdly, we are unashamedly making a deep commitment to ministering to families. Seems like everybody who shows up here comes with like six kids. In fact, Saratoga County says that we have the largest per capita of the uh, cargo van uh, parking out there. I don't know if you know that. Like, everybody who shows up has a 15-passenger van, and it's like a clown car. Children just pouring out. They're coming out, and they're juggling. So, that part was a lie. I'm sorry. What, we, what that means for us, though, here's the thing. We never decided to be a church full of young families. God decided to make us a church of young families. We as an elder team simply decided to respond to that prompting and minister to young families because that's who we had. And lo and behold, as we were ministering to young families, now all of a sudden we've got a whole lot more young families. What that means for us then is that we will continue to make a deep commitment in the next generation. That means our nursery team will continue to care for our babies and our young moms. Our, our Newtown Kids program, most Sunday mornings, our, our elementary students and preschoolers are going to continue to sing worship songs, hear the truth of God's word, discuss what they're hearing, and reinforce that with games and activities. On Wednesday nights, our kids are going to be growing together in Team Kid. It's a discipleship tool to help them grow in God's word. And your children and all the children that the Lord sends our way will be cared for, prayed for, and will hear the life-changing truth of the gospel. Our ministry to middle school and high school students is growing and expanding, and we expect that to continue. That means our high schoolers and middle schoolers will continue to have opportunities to gather, to worship, to fellowship, to learn the Bible, and to discuss what they're learning with a leader and with their peers, which is important to teenagers. They will continue to learn the value of biblical community through their involvement with their life groups. They will continue to have opportunity to minister as we hand over the ministry to them as they're ready. And there will be lots of fun events, spiritual retreats, mission projects, late nights, funny videos of Tyler, sleep deprived and dancing in bowling alleys. There will be lots and lots of those opportunities for them. And there will also be opportunities for them to bring their friends to hear about the life-changing truth of Jesus, that he loved them enough to die on the cross to cover their sins and rose again the third day to secure their justification. Pastor Tyler will continue to lead a, a group and in, Everything we've seen of him tells us that he will continue to empower leaders to make it a great priority to greet your student, to pray for your student, to contact your student, and to celebrate your student. One of the greatest things that could happen is that there's not a teenager that walks into our room that goes unnoticed. That here, here, we won't let that happen. So many places in their lives, they might walk in and feel like they're not important, that they're not valuable, that nobody sees them, but not here. Pray for your youth leaders. Pray for our ministry. That is the steady diet, weekend services, life groups, 
ministry to families. And where does that leave you staring down the barrel of 2019? Again, perceptive crowd. Thank you for asking. One, it should leave you encouraged today. I had the greatest time the last few days trying to boil down everything into what I was going to say because I could, could have said a lot more. I could have told a lot more stories about what I've heard through people's interactions here. God is moving among us. He's building his church right here and he's using us. What a joy that he uses us. What an overwhelming blessing that he uses people like me and people like you. Surely he could have found somebody better, right? And yet in his mercy, he picks us, empowers us, and uses us to build his church. I think he's going to keep building his church here in 2019. I hope that also leaves you with a sense of purpose today. That there's a place for you here. There's a place for you to connect. There's a place for you to grow in your faith. There's a place for you to find healing and help. A place for you to use your gifts and to serve in the church and in the community. There's a place here for you as God moves and conforms you into his image. And some of you have been happily resting out on the fringes of this fellowship, just out past the edges, close enough to see the action, but not close enough to be known. And maybe you're afraid. Maybe you had a bad church experience in your background that you're still trying to work through. Maybe you're carrying a weight and burden of shame because of something in your story. And you feel like like you're not the kind of person that could take that step. I want to encourage you, there's a place for you here too. Because in this place, there's a place for all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus beckons you to come, and we do too. I, for one, love being a part of of a church that's willing to make room for whoever God is leading their way. So the big question is this. Here's my big so what moment, right? Here it is. What part are you going to play in 2019? What part are you playing in this fellowship in the coming year? Where will you be a partner in what God is doing here? Will it be taking a discovery class in a couple weeks, finding out more about our church and what it means to be a member? Maybe it'll be taking a step of faith and and following the Lord in baptism. Maybe you'll step out of your comfort zone and join a group, a life group. Maybe you'll step out of your comfort zone and sign up to be trained to lead a life group and launch one. Maybe you'll commit this year to working and serving on a ministry team. Maybe you'll reorganize your finances to make giving a a bigger priority for your family. Maybe you'll connect with a missions partner. You'll talk to Chad or Eli and get connected with a missions partner so you can pray for them and support them. And maybe you'll be encouraged to walk across the street and tell your neighbor about what Jesus did for you and how they could do the same thing for them. May God help us to be faithful to his calling on us this year. And when we gather here next year, I pray that we have a whole new batch of stories to tell. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the ministry that you have given us. Thank you for the people here who believe in you, who trust you, who serve you, who worship you, who carry your message of hope to this world around us. Lord, we are so blessed by what you've done here over the last year and we're hopeful as we look forward to next year. It feels like a bit of a turning point for us, God. We, we close one chapter and we open the next. And in a statement of commitment, we're, 
we're here this morning saying to you, God, together we want that. We want to be one body striving together for the souls of our community, for the glory of God, for the discipleship of our congregation. God, we want to see you pour out your blessing here. We want, you see, want to see you breathe on this place. We want to see our lives pressed and changed and conformed into the image of Jesus. We want to see you hold our hands through great trial and struggle and bring us forth refined and purified. We want to see you give us a vision and dreams for this community, for this body, for this place. And as we gather next year to recount your faithfulness, God, I pray that we'd remember that it was all for you. It was all by you. It was all through you. In Jesus' name, amen.